Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport News. This is episode 102, recorded May 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Charles Grant. In today's episode, Tool's new website, the Rapid Graphite Deployment System, How Do I Become a Locksmith, Padlock Shims and How to Use Them, Opening Forgotten Safes, Criminals, Meetups, Sales, Giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, Odyssey, or Apple Podcasts. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Some apps limit the length of show notes and the ability to post full links, but you can always find full show notes with all the links at thelocksportscast.com. First up in the news, Trail shared a tweet by Britannia Lockpicks, I believe, and it was about the largest padlock in the U.S., and it shows a picture of an extremely large padlock with a sign next to it that said, largest padlock in the U.S., weight 2,800 pounds, price to build 15,000 U.S. dollars, created by students of Jerry Havel's team problem-solving course. And I was able to find one other reference to this lock on recordholders.org. And it says it was created by a team problem-solving computer-aided design class at Bay Danak Community College in Michigan in 2003. And they list the weight as 1,100 kilograms or about 2,500 pounds. So there's a discrepancy there of about 300 pounds. I'm not sure what that's about. And they reference two uh, Daily Express articles as their source, but both of those articles don't seem to exist anymore, at least not the links provided. But anyway, that's a really big lock. It is made in a style similar to the master lock as a series of plates riveted together or bolted together. I'm not sure how. can't see the top of the lock. I can't see for sure how they are attached on the top. But very interesting. From the look of the size of the key, that 300 pounds could be the key. That's the difference in the weights. Anyway, head over, check it out. Link in the show notes. And Tool sent out an email to their uh, members about Tool new exciting announcements that they had to make. First of which is that they're releasing their first report to the members. This is a twice yearly report that will summarize the past six months of activity regarding policy, finances, and progress towards their goals. This will aid in goal of increasing the transparency of national matters to the membership. And this is Tool US, by the way. I sometimes forget to say that, but this is specifically Tool US. Secondly, they have launched a new tool.us website and store. They say the new website features a more modern user interface while staying true to the feel of the original website. The online store is more intuitive and user-friendly, and the launch coincides with their new fulfillment system. They say they anticipate faster shipping times and potentially less interruption during large conventions such as DEF CON. And if you want to check it out, it's toolwith3os.us or Uh, link in the show notes. There have also been several new posts on the Tool Black Bag blog since I last checked it, Uh, one of which is about an Italian lockpicking contest. This was written by Walter and posted on May 19th, 2022, covering the ELF, or the European Locksmith Federation Convention, that took place in Italy, specifically talking about the uh, lockpicking competitions. Of course, there will be a link to that in the show notes as well. 
And if you have an RSS reader, I do recommend subscribing to the Black Bag blog with your RSS reader, which is the way I consume the blog. We have a couple of new videos, one which is a Another quite entertaining video by SE Locking Key called the Rapid Graphite Deployment System or Ragrads Mark One, R A G R A D S, the Rapid Graphite Deployment System, is a TVC uh, compressed air graphite cannon. <laughs> and watching him shoot this thing and spread graphite dust all over his shop is very amusing. I really do recommend you go check it out. And Locknoob released a video called Unpickable, Enclave, and Ingenious New Lock Design. And he says, is this lock unpickable? It might just be the case. Check out Andrew McGill's website for more details on this amazing lock with a link provided there. And this is the same lock that I covered in episode 99 of the Lock Sportscast, which you can also check out if you want to know more. But I will have links in the show notes to both Andrew's website and Lock Noob's videos where he goes over this uh, unpickable lock design. Check it out. And if you have any ideas how you might think it could be picked, be sure to uh, leave them in his comments. Moving on to meetups, Cleveland Locks shared a tweet by B-Sides Cleveland. It said, do you know who will also be at B-Sides Cleveland 2022, sponsored by Trusted Sec this year? Once again, contributing to the awesomeness. And that is CLE Locksport, or Cleveland Locks. That's who. And you can check out the B-Sides Cleveland website at bsidescleveland.com. It looks like it is taking place from June 17th through June 18th, that weekend. So... Be sure to check out that website if you are in the Cleveland area. And also posted on the Tool Black Bag blog was LockCon 2022 registration is open. This was posted on May 21st, so recent news. They say, after a mandatory pause, we're looking forward to again discussing all things locks in the castle in the city of Barlow. LockCon will be held from Thursday 25th of August to Sunday the 28th of August. I will have links to both the LockCon page and the Tool Black Bag blog that uh, talks about it in the show notes if anybody's uh, interested in attending that this year. And we had a couple of other blog posts on other blogs here. This one was posted on Lockpick World, and it's How Do I Become a Locksmith? How Much Should a Locksmith Cost? An Interview with a Locksmith. It was written by Chris Dangerfield and posted on May 17th. The intro to the article says, These and more questions will be answered by someone who knows, Lee Kimberly, a locksmith with nearly two decades of professional locksmithing experience. I want to thank Lee for this conversation and hope anyone interested in lockpicking or perhaps becoming a locksmith or just learning more about locksmith gets some value from it. Enjoy. So anyway, that's a good one to check out if you've ever considered possibly becoming a locksmith or you're just curious about uh, what locksmiths do. Might be a good article to read. And Lock Judge has put up another article here. This one uh, by Oliver Wright on May 22nd. Padlock shims and how to use them. It says the modern pin tumbler cord padlock is a marvel of engineering. It can be pinned in over 3,500 different configurations of pins, driver pins, and spools that have to be raised or lowered to the exact heights to allow the cord to rotate. 
which causes an actuator located at the end of the keyway to move and in turn releases the shackle of the lock. Unfortunately, many padlocks on the market today can easily be opened with a simple and inexpensive tool, a padlock shim. So if you want to know more about that, if you aren't already intimately familiar with padlock shims, go check out the uh, article over on Lock Judge. That, of course, will be linked in the show notes. This is where I would normally do the Lockpickers United belts for the week. However, I was having problems searching out any new belts. When I went to look, I couldn't even find necessarily the ones that I had done two episodes ago. So I don't know if they're getting deleted, if they're being, uh, if my search query just wasn't working for some reason properly. I was able to find some old ones, but not the ones I was looking for. And I don't know what I did wrong. So uh, if anybody has any insight on that, uh, let me know. Uh, Otherwise, I will try again next go around to, to catch up if I find any new ones. So with that, it's time to say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. First off, I'd like to say a big thank you to the newest patron, NWA Lockpicker. Thank you for signing up to be a patron. So with that, the producers for this episode include Patreon subscribers, which are Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Lebon's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune. Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, JHP Picking, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Deadbolt Cafe, and NWA Lockpicker. Chief content producer for this episode is Cherell. That means he sent in the most information that was used in this particular episode. Other content producers for this episode are Albert LaBelle, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Cleveland Locks, Dark Arts Lockpicking, iFisk, Joe Picks, Joshua Gonzalez, Panda Frog, and Tony Varelli. Thank you, everyone, for your support. This show would not be possible without that support. So if you value this podcast, please help support it by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related that you think the community should or might want to know about. Just send it to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or any of the other methods listed in the show notes. Don't just assume that everyone has sent it to me if it's a big story, because quite often they haven't. And quite often I've missed it because I have a busy life. I don't uh, actually get to spend as much time searching this stuff out as you might think. So please. Send me everything. I'd rather be overloaded with emails and messages than just not have enough to make a show. Other ways you can help the show are share the show with your lockpicking friends, leave a review or a comment on your favorite platform, maybe a thumbs up if it's on YouTube, subscribe to one of the channels, whichever way you prefer to consume it, and turn on notifications if you want. Uh, You can also support financially if you choose. You can donate on PayPal or you can subscribe on Patreon. If you want to know how to support the show, if you want to find all the different ways, just go to thelocksportscast.com slash support, and that's the page that has all the information about how to support the show. If you do support the show with information I use or donation, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes. If you have any interesting stories about events that happen to you because of Locksport or being a locksmith, anything to do with locks, please send them in. I would love to share them on the show. If you want to send me feedback, you're welcome to do that also. Go to thelocksportscast.com slash contact. That feedback can be public or confidential, your choice. If you want it to be shared on the show, just keep it reasonable length, polite, work family safe, no politics, and no drama. A couple of interesting uh, stories here recently about cracking old forgotten safes. The first one here was titled, A Hulking Safe in a Rhode Island School Building Possibly Held Secrets 
if they could get it open. This article was written by Brian Amaral and uh, updated on May 3rd. The article says that guesses about the safe's contents included everything from milk money to absolutely nothing, and this was in Bristol, Rhode Island. They say the five-foot-tall safe was inside the Oliver School on State Street. The building was last used as a school around 1980 and ever since has served as an administrative office for the district, but the administrative offices recently moved. As the town prepared to try to sell it, they came upon this safe in the basement buried behind some boxes. Nobody could remember the last time the safe had been opened, and of course, nobody knew the combination. The article says that uh, the job was assigned to a couple of local professional safe crackers, Francesco Therasad and Cesar Lequeros. They arrived with a drill, a fiber optic camera, and a big heavy mallet. The whole operation cost the town about $600. Therasad said... This was a particular challenge. It was a good safe. The door was six inches thick. Getting inside first required drilling a hole through multiple layers, copper, insulation, and the hard plate, which would require multiple different drill bits. Akeros slipped the fiber optic camera through the hole to give a good view of the inside of the Yale HE locks mechanics. While he looked inside, he twisted the combination to watch the wheels line up. But... Bolts had oxidized and the door wasn't budging when they tried to open it. Lakeros then smashed the front of the safe with a mallet repeatedly, trying to loosen things up inside. He yanked a few more times, hit the front of the safe a few more times, and finally it did unlock. When the safe was finally opened, it was filled with records, bus contracts, annual reports, registers from 1915 to 1976, school committee records, legal cases, records for the construction of the Bristol Junior Senior High School, on Chestnut Street, extra keys for a postage meter, and they say it was all very well organized. So not a valuable fortune, but maybe some important records for the history of the school system. Stuff that should be relocated to somewhere where they uh, can keep track of it. The next article I came across was century-old safe found behind store wall linked to Canadian Prime Minister. This was written by Chris Campbell. Um, on May 20th, it says workers with Gagnon Demolition Inc. recently found a large safe behind some walls, and they say they've since learned it once belonged to a great uncle of Canadian Prime Minister Paul Martin. The Gagnons explain that the exact ling- lineage linked to the Martin family is still being determined, but that the find is exciting nonetheless. The safe is believed to be over 100 years old. Safe and vault technician Todd Sundell with a better locksmith in Windsor cracked the combination at Gangnan's salvage yard. Sundell used a special camera to see inside the safe mechanics and told the news that most safes they encounter are empty. He was also quoted as saying, this is a fun one because you don't know what you're getting into. Once you feel that click open, it's a relief and excitement at the same time. In the end, it turned out that the safe was empty. But anyway, since it does have kind of a historical connection and it looks like a pretty cool old safe, I would hope that it would be uh, repaired and put back into use by somebody. Moving on to lockpicking criminal news, we have an article about a male thief getting probation. This was by written by Shane Healy in the Pacific Daily News on May 10th. This is out of Guam. 
says a man who broke into the mailboxes at Summertown Estates in Dededo was given two years of probation and no additional prison time. He was arrested after he was seen picking locks of mailboxes at the neighborhood collection delivery unit at Summertown Estates, court documents state. However, my note here, uh, in the video, it looks more like he's either prying them open or somehow bypassing the latch more than actually picking the lock itself. Uh, Watch the video yourself and come to your own conclusion, but that's what it looks like to me. Anyway, the article continues. Police found him with four parcels that didn't belong to him and a lockpick. The suspect admitted to the break-in and several more in the previous months when he was interviewed by the United States Postal Inspection Service. He told inspectors he would sell stolen items at the Dededo flea market to provide for his family. He also said he learned how to pick locks of the mailboxes on YouTube, according to court documents. He pled guilty to the theft of mail charge in February. He was sentenced in the District Court of Guam on Tuesday morning on the charge of theft of mail connected with the incident in October. He will spend the next two years on probation. The next article is Wisconsin woman charged in elaborate money laundering scheme involving stolen vehicles. This article was written by Daniel Guyton, Gayton, uh, Kenosha News on May, May 5th. It says a Summers woman is accused of taking part in an elaborate money laundering scheme involving stolen vehicles from numerous states. On March 15th, a Kenosha County Sheriff's deputy responded to a report of license plates found in the area. Upon arrival, the deputy found plates that had been reported stolen out of Milwaukee County, according to the criminal complaint. A Kenosha County Sheriff's detective later spoke with his counterpart in Milwaukee County, who told him that in the past year, 20 vehicles have been stolen from General Mitchell Airport. The vehicles being targeted were reportedly high-end Dodge Hellcats, Dodge Ram, TRX, and Jeep Trackhawks, some of which had onboard GPS that showed they were in an area near Miller Woods Park, according to the complaint. I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce that name. I'm not familiar with that specific area. About a week later, a sheriff's deputy responded to Hawthorne Apartments for a report of a Dodge Ram TRX that had been parked for several days with a broken window. The complex is located in the area where the stolen vehicles were reported by GPS. When the deputy arrived, the Ram TRX was gone, but while canvassing the area, he located a parked white Ford Transit van with an Alabama plate. The deputy conducted a traffic stop of the van, and the driver said he was visiting his girlfriend, who turns out to be the suspect de- being discussed here, and denied knowing anything about the Ram TRX. A vehicle registration check on the van's plate reportedly was associated with Prospect Motors LLC in Adamsville, Alabama. When a Kenosha detective made contact with Prospect Motors, the company reportedly stated that the plate was issued to the female suspect who was going to work as a wholesale buyer of vehicles for Prospect Motors out of the Chicago area. Prospect Motors reportedly stated that she stopped all communications with them after receiving the dealer plate and has not gone to any vehicle auctions or done any other wholesaler buying for the company. While conducting surveillance on the apartments, a detective copied the vehicle identification number for the van and located a BMW next to the van with temporary Georgia plates registered through the Wisconsin Department of Transportation to the suspect, and a car rental company owned by her boyfriend, according to the complaint. 
When the detective spoke with an agent of the National Insurance Crime Bureau about the VIN on the van, it was reportedly revealed that the VIN was never created by Ford Motor Company and is fraudulent, suggesting it is a stolen vehicle. A Financial Crimes Enforcement Network report on the suspect showed that her account was flagged in August 2021 for suspicious cash payments, where the source is unknown and the activity is out of pattern given employment and her history. According to the complaint, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network reportedly showed that from November 27, 2021 to December 21, 2021, she had $81,370 of suspicious account activity in that one month alone. On April 6th, a U.S. postal inspector informed the detective that a priority U.S. passport addressed to her boyfriend was delivered on April 4th at a Pleasant Prairie address where the couple both receive mail. The Sheriff's Department continued to investigate the situation and obtained a warrant for the Hawthorne Apartments unit that was executed on April 26th. The suspect was arrested in her unit and once inside the unit. What they found was hundreds of thousands of dollars of designer clothing, shoes, jewelry, and items far beyond her means. Numerous electronic devices used to steal vehicles by programming blank key fobs, vehicle scan tools, cash, 4.5 grams of marijuana, and a receipt for a Barth storage unit was also found. The white van with fake VIN number was also found at the residence. Investigators also obtained a search warrant for the storage unit that they found a receipt for. Inside the unit was a pistol that had been reported stolen, a modified rifle, toolboxes, a lockpick set, and signal jammer devices, it says. Another warrant for residents in the 8500 block of 90th Avenue in Kenosha was issued, and a credit card making machine, license plates, and a firearm were located inside. So in addition to the money laundering, she is facing felonies for operating a vehicle without owner's consent, altering or removing a vehicle's identification number as party to a crime, counterfeiting vehicle titles as party to a crime, and theft of movable property valued over $10,000 as party to a crime. So it looks like they had a pretty serious operation there. They had key cloning devices, lock picking, credit card making equipment, and just a full on set of things. Ultimately undone by a uh, trackable GPS in a vehicle they stole that they didn't anticipate. All right, moving on to sales. And iFisk shared a note from uh, Peterson Locksmith Tools, thinkpeterson.com. They said, we have a quantity of various high-quality picks that we have a surplus of. Go to the Overstock tab at the website to see them. While a lot of them are hydrometer rubber, full-shanked picks, there are also other government steel plastic picks there. If our molder had not screwed up, the rubber-molded picks would list at $16 each. And by the way, they are all government steel picks. At only $6 each, they are a pretty good deal. So, anyway, uh, there are quite a few picks listed in the overstock section. So if you're interested, go check those out at thinkpeterson.com. We still have a valid coupon code for bare bones lock picking. The code is TRAINWITHDALP10. And it is good for 10% store-wide on top of any other discounts. And it expires on June 13th, it looks like. That's at barebonelockpicking.com. 
So if you're interested in any of their goods, uh, be sure to use the coupon code when you check out. If you're shopping over at Lockpick Mall, you can uh, use one of several codes we have here. You can get a discount with the code DARKVIP, that one uh, provided by Dark Arts Lockpicking. Albert LaBelle has one with the code ALBERT. And Joe Picks has one with the code Joe Picks. So uh, pick your favorite lock sporter and use their code if you want a discount over at lockpickmall.com. Over at 3dlocksport.com, you can save 10% on your favorite 3D printed locksport accessories with the code LSCAST10. Uh, just enter that in at checkout to save 10%. Of course, Mako Locks, 15% off if you use the code BUYMAKO at checkout. And uklockpickers.co.uk, you can save 10% if you use the code GIFT when you check out. As far as giveaways, we have a couple of them left here. Looks like Albert LaBelle's subscriber appreciation giveaway is still running. Uh, Last I knew it was running until the 25th, so a couple of days after this episode goes live, uh, it will be over. So jump on that real quick if you haven't already. Panda Frogs, hashtag mini Panda Frog 2 giveaway is running until the baby is born. And that is coming up real quick. The expected due date was the 8th of June, and they do come early sometimes. I didn't see any notifications right off that the baby had been born, but I could have missed it. But uh, I would definitely jump on it sooner rather than later if you haven't gotten in yet. And, of course, there's the uh, hashtag LockBoss giveaway by CLK Supplies. Lots of uh, fun stuff to win over there. They are a locksmith supply shop, so they do have a lot of uh, cool stuff to give away. And remember, this show is completely community-supported, so if you have any information that is locksport-related, locksmith-related, or just interesting to the locksport locksmith community, be sure to send it in. Even if you don't think it's important or you think everybody else has sent it in, please send it anyway. Always can use more information, and uh, it makes my life a lot easier. So thank you to everyone for all of your support and sticking with me, even though I missed an episode last week. And remember to keep it legal. (laughs) 